Hey everyone and welcome to the third episode of the Manufacturing Podcast. Thank you for joining us and don't forget to check out our other episodes if you haven't already. Today we're joined by Sebastian Suter, the industry lead manufacturing at Microsoft. We talk about technology adoption, the major drivers pushing transformation and Microsoft's future with manufacturing. Don't forget to check out our socials at Manufacturing Global and let us know what you think of the podcast. Enjoy. Okay then, well, if we jump in, um, welcome to the Manufacturing Global podcast, Sebastian. To introduce yourself, Sebastian, can you tell me a little bit about you and your career journey so far? Yes. So after my studies, I first went for management consulting, did this for roughly nine years. I then went for ThyssenKrupp in the industry, um, worked there as vice president at the end of the day, being responsible for digital at a group level before I then joined Microsoft like four years ago. Um, the, the thing is, I was always like focusing on the question, where is a value? How do you navigate businesses and how do you connect leaders to make that happen? That was something that I did prior to then joining uh, Microsoft, where I now work as senior industry executive. And I exactly do that now in my job. So I'm responsible for industry 4.0 and I'm shaping together with our clients and with our partners the future of the manufacturing industry as we see it in Germany. And I'm also lucky because in addition, I advise companies and technology investors as a member of the innovation board for Forcom and the Dietmar Hopp family office, as well as being a strategic um, advisory partner for the technology investor Digital Plus partners. So Sebastian, how did you find yourself at Microsoft? Interestingly enough, um, I was approached by Microsoft and um, I was really honored to go for that one because in consulting as well as in my work with Thyssen Krupp, I really had a focus on digital transformation, advanced technologies and how you apply the ecosystems. And then having the opportunity to join Microsoft, that was so intriguing that I really said, okay, let's take this to the next level. And Ever since I joined Microsoft, that is exactly what we do. So I'm working for Microsoft, which is one of the undisputed leader in software. And we are at the intersection where we work with manufacturing clients. And these are real leading clients in manufacturing in Germany and take this to the next level, whereby we really take technologies, apply them, and then you get a digital dividend for that. So very fortunate and happy to be there. Lovely, thank you. And um, moving on to discuss, um, you know, your, your current role, uh, I understand. Um, can you talk to me about that in particular? So the current role, um, as described, is really into what is digital transformation? How do you take advanced technologies and how do you apply them in ecosystems? So that's the essence of the job. Um, we do see that there is a great need to do that um, because especially in Germany, we have the entire value chain within manufacturing um, with companies, be it at the component level, um, like sensors and these kind of things to real systems and products like forklifts, these kind of things. And then it goes into complex industrial operations. And the industry executive is exactly at that heart that goes into how do you design industry value change? How do you do that with Microsoft input and technologies? And then at the end of the day, really leads to something which is an intelligent digital ecosystem, whereby you really bring clients together, technology partners together, realization partners together, 
and then you walk along the different uh, value chains of an industrial um, environment. Okay. Uh, and in terms of manufacturing today in 2020, what do you think that looks like in your opinion? What does the current landscape of manufacturing look like? <laughs> yes, it's a good one. I think I would have answered it differently a couple of months ago um, prior to COVID. I think what you see these days is that we see um, manufacturing leaders and we'll categorize them in three waves. One is, and that was predominantly like in February, March, April kind of time frame, a lot of people had to react and we still see some clients that are reacting, meaning how do you resolve issues that still go back to um, COVID and how do you build your operations in a more resilient way? That's kind of one of the three themes that we see in manufacturing. Next thing is, and I think that will continue, or more or less we think it will continue clients as well as the Microsoft perspective. In the medium term, we really think that companies are currently rebuilding their manufacturing operations and their footprint. So they want to go back to like a return to business as it was before the new normal. And then they already start to reimagine how the, the next new normal would look like for them and what the shifts will be, the implications will be and how they adapt their business for them. And then the last thing that we see when it comes to the current manufacturing landscape is, although some of the companies are currently restructuring their business, some of them fundamentally really think about to transform their business in a way that hasn't been imagined beforehand. So really be clear about what you want to do in the manufacturing landscape. How can you get competitive edge and how do you execute that? That's like the third cluster that we see. And what about um, Microsoft's digital transformation so far? Because obviously, you know, it's a, it's a journey and and it's a journey that can never quite be finished because there's obviously always going to be new digital innovations. Can you talk to me a little bit about that journey so far? Yeah, so <laughs> it's a funny thing because if you think digital, even the software juggernauts have to think about to reinvent themselves. And that is what Microsoft really did. So in the beginning, Microsoft was really about putting a computer on every desk in every home. That was the starting point like very early on. And that fundamentally shifted to something where we say we want to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. And that is a huge shift. Yeah. And if you want to do that shift, it's not a one big bang and you've you've been there. It's, as you said, a journey. And what we really did is we understood that we as Microsoft, even we are a digital company because we do software, which is digital by definition, uh, we have to rethink our business. And that is really end to end, meaning it's the products. So we go for license and then now it's consumption. It's the business model. So it's more and more partnering with our clients. It's the way how IT and operations work. And it's about like how the cultures of the company, because you cannot go from one model to the other one. So transformation for us is really about focusing on culture, people, employees, and how you take them along and how you make sure that they're gonna fit in this new model. Absolutely. Um, and obviously IoT and automation, you know, as we just mentioned, they're all having huge effects in, in the industry at the moment. Just how important is it to introduce products that are actually going to enhance the current offering and not just introduce technologies just for the sake of doing it? So the, the thing is, 
you don't just want to go for for technologies as such, but you want to go for value, right? So one of the key focus areas that we have is that we truly want to focus on value for both partners as well as clients. So let me give you some examples on that one. And that's based on technologies that they leverage from our side and then they generate business. So we are working together with like big corporates in the building technology area. And what we did with them is we resolved their business around how can you take some things like the cloud or even like ERP solutions and how can you apply them in a way that your technicians, which is one of the core business for building uh, companies, that your technicians that are out with the clients more productive in a way. And we achieved like savings there of more than 50% of server uh, technicians that can serve more clients on like service uh, tickets that they have. Or if you think about like operations in like technology companies operating large infrastructures like let's say elevators we do see the same thing when it comes of like predicting of failures for elevator these kind of things and, and that is one of the key paradigms that we see there not just leveraging technologies for the sake of the technologies but really truly going for value there what about innovation um can you talk to me about the value of innovation and having that proactive approach and that agile mindset rather than just you know waiting to see sort of what's already there and then being slow to adopt technology? So one thing is obviously, if you think about value of innovation, as I already said, ideally it comes with savings in the business, right? These kind of things or upsides on the business. That is something that we do see and that is like the new role of technology as we perceive it. Nevertheless, one of the things that are truly interesting when you think about innovation in manufacturing, and if you think this with like a perspective on technology, we see more and more that the time for free solos is really over. So big companies really take a look at technology companies and ask the questions, how can we team up and how can we make sure that we jointly deliver that kind of innovation? Because you can no longer innovate just in your own business model. You want to take partners along. And one of the good examples that we have there is the open manufacturing platform. So even in big industries like the automotive industry in Germany, you see more and more key players. So in that case, it was like BMW that started the initiative. But by now it is joined by Bosch, which is contributing a, a mega player in like supplying the automotive industry. We have ZF Friedrichhafen in there, so just naming a few of them. What they all found out that is the value of innovation in manufacturing is about bringing players together in an ecosystem, and then you can really attack the big problems. So lack of common data models, lack of open standards and reference architectures, and these kind of big things, tackle them, and then think about what happens in terms of innovation within that industry. And what you will see is that out of these uh, solutions, like the big players like the auto OEMs, they have a huge upside on the transportation logistics because that's going to the core of the OMP. Then you have like the suppliers of the, like the ZFs and the Bosch, they obviously benefit from the openness of that standard so they can really work with their offerings across the board there. And that is something that not one person could achieve, but you really need to orchestrate and do it jointly together in that kind of ecosystem. Lovely. And you mentioned there a little while ago uh, about if I asked you this question five years ago, COVID-19, you know, it would have been a, a different story with the space of manufacturing. Um, I guess how has COVID-19 transformed manufacturing? How has it changed the way maybe that you operate or 
maybe the effect that it's had, um, obviously, you know, in the space generally. Um, so, <laughs> good one. So, if you if you think about the the impact that COVID had and still has, and for the time being seems to have, it's profound. So, you saw things like shutdown of plants and office infrastructures. By the way, we were closing our offices as well, um, as you would see in the manufacturing space. Um, and even now, where you see reopenings, you have hurdles there, like ensuring that there is social distancing, these kind of things. Or another good example in the, um, especially like the plant equipment area is, if you have something that is running like a plant, and if you want to make sure that the service is running smoothly, you need to have like remote services to make this run. And that is like a huge impact there. And if you think about where the impact is, it really goes back to one of the core questions that our clients ask us, which is about how can we make sure that our operations become truly resilient? Uh, and if you now think about the question of what resilience really means, it means that you can work in remote situations. It means that you have service operations that don't break down if you cannot send out employees there while you increase like productivity and reduce costs and you do this in a more collaborative way. So that is something that we that we saw impact on the manufacturing side. And the thing is, we see it on our side as well as on the client side. So I named some of the client examples. Let me give you some flavor around what we experienced from the Microsoft side. So Microsoft itself is a huge operator, a manufacturing operator, if you want to, meaning we have a supply chain there. We have more than 8 billion of spend that we run with factories and so on. And we have to ship the things, right? It goes into Xboxes, HoloLenses, Surface, all these kind of products. So we source, we produce, we deliver, and we have to serve these kind of things. And what we found out is we had a huge benefit that a lot of our things were already on a technology platform and were already fully operated and run with Microsoft technologies in that. And what we understood is this is by no means enough. So what we did is we reached out to partners. So one great example is Blue Yonder. So Blue Yonder is a player that is really about like, how do you get an end-to-end -end view in a manufacturing supply chain? How can you run simulations there for certain um, situations? And how can you then make sure that you have the right risk mechanism in place so that you can really deal with that kind of a crisis? And what we did is we took that learning that client asked us, so what are your solutions? And we took it back to our own operations to make our supply chain more resilient. And we did the same thing, just one more example on our side for a partner that we have, which is called Site Machine. Site Machine is really about if you go down into manufacturing operations, you want to make sure that you get data and that you get like a good insight into the data that then enables you to take quick and fast decisions. And Site Machine is one of our partners that really helps us combining data, enriching it with informa information, and then enabling that kind of decision making on a very quick basis. And that is exactly what we learned working with our clients because they asked for these kind of solutions and which we then brought back to our own operations within Microsoft. So resilience is not only something for our clients, but eat your own dog food, it's for ourselves as well. Thank you for that. And uh, you mentioned there about, uh, for example, partnerships with Blue Yonder. Talk to me about those partnerships, because obviously, you know, establishing these key strategic relationships is fundamental to the success of any um, organization. So 
So talk to me about that, you know, the importance of a mutually beneficial partnership. Yeah, Sean. So the question of strategic relationships. So if you think about what it was in the past, it was really a question, if you think about your own as well as the external value that a strategic relationship brings, it was really down to the question of like make and buy. But if you take this now going forward, it is really about a concept whereby you create value in an ecosystem. That's like the new idea there. So what it is, if you think about a strategic relationship, on the one hand side, you have like industrial companies and these industrial companies, they contribute with their domain knowledge in the industry as well as their industrial OT experience that they have. And that is something that is oftentimes super proprietary to the companies. Then at the same time, you need the competencies of the technology partners. And what they do is they can contribute to the entire technology value chain. And that really goes from the devices to the platform all the way to intelligent services that you can have. And then still these two partners are not enough. So what you need to bring to the table is project partners that can really make sure you execute from a strategy perspective all the way down to delivery. And that is the key thing where strategic relationship happens. So you have partners with core competencies. They can optimize themselves, be it on expenditures, be it on innovations, whatever it is, on what they really think is core. And then you bring them together and that helps you to sometimes even come up with new business models. And one example that I wanted to share is if you think about um, a company that I worked for in the past and that I'm now working for very closely, which is Tilson Krupp, and we do work with Tilson Krupp in areas like elevators as well as like material services. And there you can see that these partners can also be industrial partners because I already mentioned a couple of like software partners like Side Machine, Pluyonda, these kind of partners. But it could also be that you have industrial partners. So you bring something which is for coming from their end in their business, like the service portal that Elevator from Tusen Group has, which is called Max. You have like our play, which is the technology play that comes from Microsoft with the Microsoft Azure Cloud that we bring to the table. And sometimes even add-ons like mixed reality solutions with HoloLens and these kind of scenarios. And then you bring in other partners that make sure that you can execute on that strategy. And then you can even extend this into joint go-to-market initiatives. If you think about like smart spaces and how you operate infrastructures in a future model. And that is something that is truly defining a strategic relationship between all the different entities. So what do you think, what do you feel are the major drivers in transformation? So if we if we work with our clients and if we ask them what they are truly interested in, first thing is if you operate a factory, things that are called like devices, so Internet of Things, things or devices, or the field is something that they are very interested in. So this takes you really down to the sensors that you have, the motors, the actors that you have, and you want to get real time data and you want to get an insight on that data. So so that's definitely one thing. The next thing is if you have that field or if you have the devices, you obviously want to tap into them. And that tapping is the connectivity challenge. So everything about how you make sure that leveraging IoT, you can connect into that uh, kind of asset, whatever it is. And then the last thing is 
if you think about you have the device, you tapped into the device, now you want to bring inte intelligence into that one. That is truly about the cloud. So the question, how you can you get unlimited, scalable and secure compute power and infuse that with intelligence? So these are the main like underlying drivers that you have. And once you have these kind of drivers, what you want to do is you want to build on them and you want to make sure that you like generate value out of them. So typically, if you start with the fields is connected and you can plug it into the cloud, next thing is something becomes visible so you can see something. So that is a major driver that is currently happening because you all of a sudden see how the operations of your plant is. Obviously, once you see this, you want to take this to the next level. So you want to get some more transparency, meaning you want to understand what is happening there. So what is the root cause of, let's say, a quality defect end of line? Or what is the root cause for less of an original equipment efficiency level that you have other than plant? And then if you take it one level further, you need to think about how can you be not reactive, but proactive on that one? So how can you prepare something before it truly happens? And then the last thing truly is companies that are really exceeding there, they strive for two things. One is autonomous systems in manufacturing. So you have self-optimizing systems, that is one thing. And if you even go one level beyond that, you want to have that as a service and you no longer just have it on the internal side, but you use it to generate new business models and provide it as a service to the outside of the company. And then it is really a transformational change in manufacturing. Lovely. Um, and in terms of customer centricity, can you talk to me about the importance of that and, and ensuring that customers are always at the heart of decision making? Let's put it in, in, in simple phrases you need to put yourself into the shoes of your clients, right? Um, that means if you want to come up with an intelligent answer on how they have resilient and sustainable future operations, you want to make sure that you start thinking from the client side. So one of the things that we do if we say customer centricity, we really start from the focus areas of our clients that could be that they say, we do have a great workforce, but we want to make sure that we transform that workforce. So that is something that is a paramount for the industry. Next thing, thinking about customer centricity, a lot of our clients, especially if they are in manufacturing, they need to think about how they engage their end client in a new and different way. So we have solutions for that one, how you really interact with your clients in a different way abroad of the services examples, these kind of things. And then once you have that, and if you understand now you have your workforce transformed, you are now thinking about different client engagement things, then you want to make sure that you understand your clients from a perspective from his supply chain. So it's not the Microsoft supply chain, it is truly about the supply chain in the industry of the client, and you want to make this from a customer point of view. And then obviously you now have the supply chain, you want to have a deep dive into the factory, and a factory is very different if you go for steel production, which is different to a plant um, equipment capital goods provider, which is completely different to a B2C kind of company. So you want to think from client perspective what the need for production is. And then once you have that, next thing is you want to be very client-centric about what is it truly that is innovative there and how do you deliver the new solutions and products. And 
at the end of the day, and that's now the nice thing with this software um, as a service kind of model or the consumption-based model, as we call it, at the end of the day, if we don't think in a customer-centric way, we would not produce and we would not help our client to succeed in their business. And then it's very simple. If they don't see it succeed in their business, they don't consume our technology. And if they don't consume our technology, obviously we wouldn't make any business. So whatever we do is aiming for clients and it should help them to enrich decision-making for clients in their core operations and their business. And then we are happy. Lovely, absolutely. Um, and I guess moving on to your greatest challenge during your time at Microsoft, can you maybe detail what that ex exactly looks like and I suppose how you overcame that? <laughs> um, good one. Um, I think I haven't really overcome it because it's one of the fundamental challenges in the industry and that is very straightforward. The software industry was something which is about selling software, right? Um, but if you now have a real challenge that is really, how do you shift from selling software towards providing industrial value in a partnership in an ecosystem? And that is, I guess, the biggest challenge that the, the, the big players like the Microsoft of the world have, that they address that challenge. And let me give you a couple of examples of, I don't say how we overcame it, <laughs> but how we are trying to address them and make sure we're adding value there. One of the things that is truly helpful, and we did this successfully um, in the past, is you want to dance with the elephants and deliver at large. Yeah? Meaning you want to make sure that you go with big corporates as we did like with Siemens and maybe even with like big platforms like the World Economic Forum. Uh, what we do there is we do something which is down to the core of sustainability and carbon transparency. So we really look into what is the challenge to make sure that you are sustainable because you know what your carbon footprint is and then you have levers on how to be carbon negative going forward. So that is something that you want to do and that helped us greatly to, to overcome or at least address that, have lighthouses because these lighthouses, they do sharpen your message and then with the with the power of the players in there, they help you to amplify the story greatly. And, and that, by the way, that's the same thing as we do for the open manufacturing platform. And let me give you one more example how you do it on the opposite. You want to make sure that what you do is not just for big elephants, but you want to make sure that it is for the small and medium-sized clients as well. So we have a lot of clients where we do outstanding work with clients that are below the threshold of, let's say, a billion. So companies like Weidmüller, known for automation and sensoric, or companies even smaller than that, like the Prassler um, of the world, like Gebrüder Prassler, which is a company in MedTech, which is even below the 200 million threshold. Um, what we want to do with them is we want to show that there is credibility in our offerings, even in scenarios that are really targeted out for the base of the of the manufacturers, so the thousands of the clients. And then we want to make sure that this is cost efficient and that you can get a payback quickly. And that is something, by the way, that we did together with Weidmüller and Gebrüder Prasseler. We came up with an intelligent offering about like automated ML, which is really about how do you make sure that machine learning is used at the shop floor and democratized in a way so that blue color worker can use it out of the box and can come up with industrial analytics there. And that is a very cool project because it's quick payback, quickly installed, something that's really not that cost intensive. 
and even the smaller companies can use it. And if you do two things together, so the big elephants and the small ones, put them together, showcase it, then you can, at the end of the day, address the challenge of providing industrial value. Excellent. And what about the future of manufacturing? Now, if you you know can get your crystal ball out, it would be nice to, to see what it says over the next few years. Um, in your own opinion, what do you think that the future of manufacturing will look like over the next few years? Maybe let's start with like a perspective on where we are coming from when it um, goes to uh, manufacturing. And I'm taking like a technology manufacturing point of view there. So one of the things is it was clear and became clear with the studies and with the work that we do with our clients that it is highly relevant to bring technology to factories. So we had a case where a major client told us you need to take 30% savings out of operations. Everybody who has been in a factory knows that by no means you can get 30% savings out of a running factory. That's just not doable. And what they said is they go went back to the board and they said, sorry, not addressable. Uh, we cannot solve the challenge. And then the board said, no, continue, search for that. What is the answer for 30% efficiency in factories? And they said, okay, then we truly need to rethink that one and bring technology into that play. And that is something that, that happened there. So it is relevant. Yes, you see some ambiguity there. So not everything that is on the drawing board really becomes reality, but there is something down the line of the conversion costs. So if you really want to go for that efficiency in that case, it sits in the conversion costs. So in the factories and maybe in the supply chain, and that is where you can get the savings. And now if you think about the future of manufacturing and where technology can help is I think on three things. One thing is currently by no means you have a way to compare data because all data that you can get in a factory is completely different, different metadata, different relations, different schemata. So you, so you don't have that. So one of the future paradigms in manufacturing is that you have common data models. The second thing is future of manufacturing in a technology perspective. There is currently no openness there. So there are no standards, there are no reference architectures, and therefore things cannot interoperate, which is a major hurdle that you have. So going forward, having references and open standards is one of the key things. And then the last thing is, if you really want to make sure that it scales and that it comes to the level that it is hugely used within manufacturing, you need to make sure that there's a clear cut patterns. So you cannot do it like one by one in a very time consuming and expensive manual way, but you need to have like industrial patterns on how to roll them out. And you need to take your workforce along. That means you want to make sure that the skills and competences are there so that everybody can use the technology and that you can apply it at large. And these would be the, the key things there. Lovely. Um, and what about for yourselves at Microsoft? What do you think Microsoft, what do you think the next few years will look like with you guys? There's one, one quote that I really like, and the quote says that the most profound technologies are those that disappear. So at the end of the day, what they do is they weave themselves into the fabric of everyday life until they really become indistinguishable from it. So at the end of the day, if you think about Microsoft and if the if the future is a good one for us, 
I truly believe that the technologies that we bring to our clients and to our partners, they will become a part of the fabric of industries that we will see and part of the fabric that we're currently shaping with the industry. And that is what I what I hope the future will bring for Microsoft. Lovely. I, th I think that's great. I think it'll be amazing when it's all edited together. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. Perfect. Thank you. It's